Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to The Friday Show. It's a show that hasn't liked nervy climaxes. Not since a one-night stand at a house party told us during sex that her boyfriend was in prison for GBH. Okay, that was an overshare, so apologies for that. But the nerves are kicking in now ahead of Sunday and I'm babbling. So what I really need are two calming and pragmatic guests who would tell me everything's going to be all right, that Villa will be beaten and beaten comfortably. Thankfully, I think I've got just a duo in the form of Friday favourite Ali and newcomer to the pod, Ben McKean. Hi Ben, you well pal and welcome aboard. Hi Steve, yeah, all good, thank you. Uh, pleasure to be on board and yeah, looking forward to, to maybe calming our nerves a, a little bit, hopefully. Yes, that's the idea for today, yeah, just to kind of put things in perspective and remember that, yeah, what, 19 times out of 20, we will prevail. Um Ali, are you well, and do you feel in the same frame of mind where basically if things go according to plan, at least, we should be in for a memorable day on Sunday? Hi, Steve. Yeah, I'm okay. I think um, in the immortal words of David St. Hubbins in Spinal Tap, I would probably feel a lot worse if I wasn't on such heavy sedation. <laughs> <laughs> but we're okay. We're, I'm okay. What's your we'll choice of sedation, by the way? <laughs> I, right now, I really wish I'm... I'm, I'm uh, tanking up on, on strong coffee and doing the exact opposite. I'm going to say, gib- yeah. About an hour from now, I'm going to be a gibbering wreck. So I, I make no apologies <laughs> for, for anything that might happen over the next 55 minutes. <laughs> I'm just going back to that intro, by the way. That's absolutely true. A girl once told me during <laughs> sex that her husband, uh, sorry, her boyfriend was in prison for GPH. <laughs> Completely true. <laughs> and also, also, that was the first time in my life I sold my soul because. <laughs> I've done it many times since, but I was about 18 and I was sitting at this house party, just minding my own business, kind of drunk. This girl came over and said, you look like Lee Sharp. And <laughs> what I wanted to say to her was, get to fuck. <laughs> what I actually said was, yes, I do. <laughs> and uh, you didn't do the uh, the Sharpie wiggle or whatever it was, did you? <laughs> oh, that would be perfect. That, yeah, I, I really should have. Or um, maybe you had, maybe you'd just done it, and that was what she was thinking of when she said it. <laughs> right, let's get into it. I mean, there's no avoiding it. There's no putting it off any longer. This Sunday, win against Villa. We've we're league champions once again. Drop points, and we're not. And the inconceivable, the unimaginable, may happen where Liverpool face 90 minutes to win. Well, it's the quadruple. Um, Reports have emerged this week that Cal Walker and John Stones have both trained this week. Um, I'll start with you, Ben. I'm, I'm, I was delighted to see that. I was chuffed a bit. It, it gave me a lot of encouragement. Of course it did. But at the same time, I don't want them starting if they're not fully fit. And there's a danger that Pep might go, particularly with Kyle, if he's not fully fit. So is that a risk in itself, do you think? I think so, yeah. I mean, uh, disclaimer, I probably think uh, particularly the last two years, Stones has probably been our best defender, to be mm. honest. I think he's always obviously been great on the ball, great for our build-up, but I think just defensively, he's he's got so much better. Um, I think also what comes into mind is obviously uh, in the Madrid game when he came back, I appreciate he got injured um, a little bit on, but I guess the first 10, 50 minutes before he got injured, he was nowhere near fit. Um, and that was like, made us hugely vulnerable. Um, mm. So my gut feel is I don't think Stones will come in. I think, as you say, I think if either of the the, the year two are more likely, it'd probably be Walker just because he's a bit more of an athlete, isn't he? Um, but I think 
it's uh, I think it's a little bit too late for them both, really. Um, it would make me feel better to see like a, a fit and fire in Stones and Walker, um, but but yeah, I I think they'll they'll both miss out. Um, I'm interested to see if if Ake is going to start, if if he's anywhere near fitness, and obviously since last game he'll have had another week um, mm. week break. So so I think my preference uh, would probably be with Laporte and uh, and Ake really at the back. Yeah, I, I mean I've just got a feeling there's going to be. Kyle starting and maybe John Stones on the bench. Um, if that's the case, I mean, the same question for you, really, Ali. How do you feel about the fact? I mean, it's great news, obviously, that they're back in contention. Um, Kyle Walker put a tweet up which encouraged me further, where essentially he was saying he's back. Um, but there is that risk, isn't there? I mean, a final day of the season, is that a game to be taking such risks? I think. I don't know quite what we mean by half fit in this uh, context. Yeah, yeah. Are are we talking about carrying injuries which could be uh, inflamed again? So, you know, particularly Kyle Walker went over his ankle and then did it again, and the second time he did it, it looked quite bad. I think because his he didn't have the uh, residual strength in his leg to hold his ankle up, mm. uh, and that's why he injured himself. Um, you know, if it's that kind of uh, concern we've got, where he might break down and then not be available for the next, what is it, 11 weeks. I'm okay with that. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle, and you're going you to miss yeah. your Caribbean holiday and you're going to spend the entire summer uh, on, a, on a treatment bench at the Etihad, then that would be tough on Kyle, but I'd be prepared to take that risk. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Um, if we are talking about players who haven't been able to do their aerobic training, so they might not have the fitness to... to uh, get up and down and, and do the jobs that they're needed to do. That's more of a concern. Um, my guess is they've probably both been carrying the kind of injuries where they've been able to do a lot of uh, water fitness work and that kind of thing, where they're keeping their core, uh, keeping their lungs working, and all they've been doing is, is recovering from their injuries. Um, in that case, I'm, I'm a lot less bothered uh, and happy to trust Pep. I doubt we would start with both of them because – uh, we don't need to um, and mm. having two players who are there at risk of either breaking down or just not being you know, quite having their match fitness there would seem a bit of a uh, yeah, a bit too much of a, a gamble for me um, but as I seem to say very often in these things uh, I would very happily uh, kind of pass on responsibility for these decisions to the medical staff <laughs> yes, yeah. and the people that are looking at the scans uh, and, of course, the fitness coaches and, and Pep of MCOR because they've got so much information that we don't have about what these players are likely to be able to do with their bodies on Sunday. Uh, and, you know, all we're doing is guessing. Um, yeah, if if we went out with the uh, with a back four of Aki and Laporte and then Zinchenko and Cancelo either side, which... You, they're the players that would seem most likely the forward that would be fit. I would be much happier than having Fernandinho in there. If we're starting with Laporte and Fernandinho in the middle, I would be nervous. But on the other hand, it's Fernandinho's last game for the club. If he starts, I would. there would be a big emotional part of me that would be uh, joyful for him. And also, I think I would trust him on those occasions um, just to, to, you know, to produce a... a legendary performance from, from a legendary player. So there are swings and roundabouts right across all these decisions. Um, and yeah, this is where all the nervousness is uh, <laughs> and will continue to be 
uh, you know, until an hour before kickoff and we see the teams at least. Uh, but given the position we're in, you know, it's not too bad and we could have we could have much deeper concerns and, and things are better than we thought they were going to be a week or two ago. That's certainly true. And um, what's also certainly true is no one says aerobic better than a Scott. <laughs> um, okay, so we kind of settled on our thoughts for the back line, really. Because um, you said to yourself, Ben, Ake and Laporte. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about the idea of Fernandinho starting again. I think he really struggled. And I think that impacted on the whole back line uh, at West Ham. Um, yeah. Let's face it, West Ham were good, but they were conventional. It was elementary attacks, which we should have snuffed out easily, and yet we it was panic stations. So that does fill me with a bit of concern. But we know really what midfield's going to be picked, um, assuming everyone's fit and available, of course. So it's further ahead where the uncertainty kind of lies. Um, ben, what can you, what do you anticipate Pep going with as regards to a front three? I think um, looking at the performances last week and also recently, I think Mares isn't in his his best of forms, mm. and I think certainly last week he he basically didn't do enough to to stay in really. Um, so I think from that point of view, he probably drops out. I think obviously Grealish played really well, um, and I think Foden comes back in. So I think certainly Grealish and Foden, and then for me, it's probably a toss up really between um, Sterling and, and Jesus. Sterling, obviously, he wasn't great against Wolves. Missed a few chances, and you know, a few people have been saying, you know, does he look like he's he's, he's basically his head's out the door already, and he's you know his shoulders are down, sort of thing. Um, but I, I think he still stands a chance. Um, so for me, yeah, I think it'd be Grealish, Foden, and then toss of a coin really for Sterling or Jesus. Mm. Ali, is anything you disagree with there? Any kind of um, any hunches about who we might go with? I'm not sure about Grealish, only because the Villa factor uh, is such a... It's like the nuclear option to start uh, to start Jack. Mm. It will give the whole game a real edge and tension that wouldn't necessarily be there otherwise. and Or you know, an additional edge and tension wouldn't be there otherwise. Uh, and I'm not sure Pep will want that. I think the idea of Grealish coming on with half an hour to go uh, and totally lifting the game, particularly you know, wh- whether or not we're, we're needing him to to come in and do something special in, in the uh, in the end of the uh, end phase or not, um, that would work better for me. Uh, I think I would like to see uh, Sterling ahead of Mares, and I get what Ben just said and what some other people have been saying about Sterling front of goal, but the amount of havoc. Raheem Sterling creates even when he's even when he's bluffing his chances. The amount yeah. of havoc he's creating for the rest of the team around him. Um, I think I always prefer Raheem being slightly below one hundred percent than I do Mara's being slightly below one hundred percent. When Mara's slightly just drops a little bit, he he vanishes out the game. Whereas Raheem kind of lifts his efforts even further, even if it's not quite working out for him. Um, and I think on balance, I'd rather see uh, Sterling, but. You know, uh, between all of them, I mean, uh, my 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 choice front three. So I'll, I'll spell it out. I think would be uh, Foden, Jesus, and Sterling okay. uh, going left to right across the front. But you know, any of the other combinations, I think I would just about be okay with. Um, and you know, as we know, 
whether you put them on left or right they, or centre, they, they will all switch around and, and mess about yeah, in a way because yeah. they always do. So, you know, where they're playing doesn't matter so much. Um, and I, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't have any, um, panic attacks if we were to pick, uh, what, you know, who's left. Um, yeah, suppose, uh, well, Mar- 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 I mean, really- it's kind of, you know, his numbers this season are, are, are fantastic, Mar- yeah. Mar- of course. And, and he has the ability to basically, have his fullback on toast in any given game, but yeah, it's his form, and you're absolutely right, mate. When when he's not on it, he is anonymous, and that is a big drawback in comparison to Raheem, who will still be visible, will still make an impact. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Um, I'm still concerned about the back, and I just want to return to that very quickly. Um, ben, should it be Fernandinho and Laporte this Sunday? We saw how uncertain that duo looked last week. Can that be rectified in training over the course of a week? Could could it be where those two start and they look much more coherent, much more together, much more confident? Can, can I mean, Pep is the greatest coach in world football, but can that be sorted out in a week? Do you think? I, I think I, I I think versus um, Wolves as well. I mean. The, Wolves basically had one attack on us and, um, you know, I think we've all might have had nightmares of that sort of air swipe that Fernandinho had mm. right before that goal. And I, I think they, uh, they, they would have caused us issues. I think basically they scored and then that was pretty much it that they offered from them. Um, so I, I do think it's a concern. I guess things which, you know, come into that we might improve is obviously against West Ham, that was Werner's like second game in, in three days or four days or whatever it was. Um, so obviously he's going to have more of a rest. Um, I think as well versus West Ham, Zinchenko, you know, again, he, he got criticised quite a lot and he didn't have his best of games. Mm. Now, to, to be fair, you know, I would say with Zinchenko, how, how rarely has he let us down? How rarely has he had a bad game? I, I can't remember many times in the whole time he's been with us. Mm. So I think there's certainly room for improvement with him. Um, so I think, I think as a unit, they might... There's a chance for improvement. I, I get, I'm still not as you know. I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm like thinking, oh yeah, it's another game under the belt. You know, it's it's a certainty. I could see Villa still causing us problems, and Villa have got a, a bit of pace up there as well, which obviously with that back four doesn't help. Um, but I also think Laporte is playing well. Um, I'm, I, I'd say I'm probably one of Laporte's biggest critics. He can be quite casual sometimes. I think, but I think the last month, particularly when Stones and Diaz haven't been there, he's really stepped up. Um, he's he's had a few really really good games, um, so yeah, I guess hopeful. As I say, I think there's, I don't think Zinchenko would have two bad games in in a row, so that helps too. Um, mm. But yeah, we'll we'll see. I guess you mentioned there about the kind of problems that Villa could cause. Um, Ali, what are those problems? I mean, uh, before you you kind of discuss that, how did you feel last night about kind of Gerard? Dropping Ings and Coutinho. Do you think, I mean, Coutinho's been out of form, so maybe it's that. Maybe uh, Danny Ings wasn't fully fit, maybe, but it did also look like he was resting two of his best players ahead of City, which is out of order. <laughs> no, I actually I don't believe that. Uh, I mean, we'll, we can come back and talk about the Gerard factor in a minute because I think mm. that's, a, that's an interesting conversation. Um, Coutinho was definitely dropped in form. Um, uh, Buendia and the other players around him are just playing better than yeah. Coutinho is at the moment. Um, and you know, I, I, if uh, Coutinho were to start on Sunday, I would be quite happy that he's starting 
ahead of any of the other alternatives. So, yeah, I, don't, I really don't worry about that. Um, and Danny Ings, uh, I've got a bit of a, uh, uh, what's that, a strange relationship with Danny Ings. I've never quite seen what other what others do in him. Um, I know he's had a, you know, one or two amazing seasons in his career where he's just been on the spot and knocked in a lot of goals. Mm. Uh, but he's also disappeared for entire seasons at a time, and, and I think this season has been one of those. Um, and I think you know, Ollie Watkins is a better player. And, and I watched last night, and uh, neither Watkins uh, nor Ings completely set the game on fire. Uh, Ings had one decent shot that flew past the post. Um, but it, it's very much six and a half a dozen between them. Um and I don't believe that uh, Stephen Gerrard was deliberately risking his best players um, because, from a Villa point of view, they, it was their last home game in front of their own fans yeah. at the end of the season. Uh, the idea that uh, Gerrard would do absolutely anything to effectively throw the game against Burnley, with all the implications that has, not only for um, you know, his own integrity and honesty in, in terms of what's happening at the top of the title between City and Liverpool, but also the implications for Everton and Leeds and, and Burnley down at the bottom if, if uh, he is messing about for his own personal selfish uh, uh, attachments. Um, so I don't believe that for a second. I think he picked... Uh, he, he will have picked a team last night with the fact that he had another game coming up on Sunday in yeah, yeah, yeah. So it may well be, you know, he he hasn't got the greatest squad depth. He hasn't got the kind of depth that City have got or Liverpool have got or United have got, but he's got a little bit of wriggle room in there that he can he can play with. Um, so, yeah, you know, he, he had a couple of choices to make, and it may well be that Ings and Coutinho didn't start last night and will start on Sunday, uh, but he could just as easily have gone the other way. So, you know, Watkins and Wendy or whoever else... Uh, He's starting instead. Um, you know, could have it could have gone the other way. Uh, so no, that that part of it is not a factor. As to where Villa are, I did watch a game last night, and I was glad that they were made to work very hard by Burnley. Yes, that always seemed quite likely. I mean, given what Burnley were playing for and the fact that Villa were at home and and were wanting to put on a performance for the last day for their fans. Um, and yeah, I mean, they looked a bit meh in the first half. They they didn't really look that up for it. They looked a bit uh, blasé and almost uninterested in the game in the first half. And then after um, after Burnley had scored and Villa had to come out and try and get something out of the game, they, they actually worked really hard. And they looked quite good in the second half. Um, but I think you asked, you know, what do they what do they threaten? What do they offer against mm. us? Um, a lot of individual talent. I think, and uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of McGinn, not only because he's been a, you know, a legend for Scotland over the last few years, so I've got a lot of time for him, uh, but he's just, I, I think, I don't think it's just me, he's he's one of those uh, straightforward, no-nonsense footballers that's kind of a bit of a fan's favourite and, and just seems to be a good lad, and he just always delivers something entertaining and, and fun and interesting in every game I ever watch him play. Uh, so, uh, and uh, the, the ball that he played for Buendia's goal last night was sensational. And while we're on that topic, uh, that goal, Buendia's run before the goal, for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, can I uh, take a second to describe it? Because it was a bizarre one. It was a really funny one. But I'll tell you what I thought. You guys might know there's a there's a Twitter account called uh, City Chance, I think, that does the alternative commentary after City Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
um, yeah. which are just really, really fun. Anyone who hasn't haven't, anyone haven't seen one of these, see if you can track them down. They always get deleted after a few hours for copyright reasons. So <laughs> you can't go back and look at the archive, uh, but keep an eye out for it because they are brilliant. But I would have loved to have seen something like a City Chance commentary on, on that goal last night because it was absolutely bizarre. You had Buendia, for absolutely no reason, just sat down in the middle of the centre circle as if his hamstring had just gone twang or something. Uh, so the game was continuing. Buendia sat down in the centre circle. Uh, he was down for a few seconds. The commentator was not, oh, Buendia's gone down. This doesn't look good. And then he got up again and noticed that the ball moved out to the wing. And he just took off like a hare with a crane <laughs> behind him. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 40 yard sprint in about three and a half seconds to, to get himself into the box. And McGinn dropped an absolutely perfect ball onto his toe and he smashed it past the Pope and for, a, for an absolutely beautiful goal. But it didn't make any sense. I've got no idea what was happening, what Wendy was playing at or what was going on, but it was, it was really quite, uh, quite spectacular to watch. So Villa do have the capacity to produce things like that. And we have to be aware of it. McGinn also had a couple of, uh, really good shots in the first half that Pope, uh, one in particular, Pope made an absolute world class save to keep out that volley, um, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know they, they they do represent threat. Um, on the other hand, they last night they looked a little bit at times like they were they were on the beach, which let's face it, they are. Yeah, um, yeah I mean they, they they've got nothing to play for either way. They've got nothing to lose, not much to gain, uh, and I think that's both a blessing and a, a danger for us. Um, They did make some really quite sloppy concentration-related mistakes last night, and that's kind of what what you expect to get from a team that's got half a mind on you know, the end of season party later and what their, what their wife is going to be wearing and, and, you know, where they're going on holiday next week. Um, you know, that you can play without pressure and enjoy the game and actually play really quite well. And then just your concentration drops for a second. And they did that a few times last night. So they never quite cohered for long periods as a team. Um, they looked like a team that was quite enjoying their, their last match of the season, but. Did they look as dangerous as West Ham did last week? No, I don't think so. Um, are they as good as West Ham? No, I don't think so. Um, but do they have dangerous players who can you know, score a goal out of nothing? Yes, absolutely they do. Uh, one other final thing I'll, take, I'll note, though, is they were playing very open last night. Now, it could be the opposition. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I... I Okay, I'll, I'll talk you through my thoughts about where Villa probably are. Um, they have got nothing really to win, nothing to gain, nothing to lose, so they can play to destroy it. And oh, Apologies for my dog that's barking. I'm going to... Can I come back to a point? I'll shut him up. Sure, sure can, yeah. <laughs> well, Ben, I'm going to ask you about kind of Slippy G and how bloody annoying it is, this kind of narrative of Gerard and Coutinho. Um, it's a kind of a two-pronged question, really, because first I want, want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, but also, do you think Villa... I mean, Ali said they're on the beach and they've got nothing to play for, but do you think just the occasion may make it so where they are very competitive on Sunday? I mean, that's only natural, isn't it? If they're going to compete in this, this kind of game, they're going to raise their game. So it's kind of, yeah... Two-pronged question is that, and also, how do you feel about kind of Gerard and Coutinho and all that bullshit that's been spouted on Twitter by <laughs> Liverpool fans? Yeah, so so I think in terms of Villa, I think you know, Ali covered it pretty well, but I think 
for me, and I hope you don't regret saying this, but I, I certainly fear uh, Ollie Watkins more more than yeah. Danny Ings. I think he's he's quicker, uh, sharper. I think you know the, in the the game where we beat them, he literally had half a chance, didn't he? And he tucked it away. Um, so I think they're they're, they're uh, again, as Ali said, is I, I don't think they're a great side, but they probably do have you know you, I can imagine them having moments uh, to be able to hurt us. Um, so I think from that point of view, you know, in respect to the, the threat that Villa pose, um, I think with regards to the the Stevie G thing, as much as you know, I'm not obviously certainly not Liverpool's biggest fan or his biggest fan. I, I think he's been you know pretty admirable really in how he's handled himself throughout I think um, you know I, I didn't pay a huge amount of attention when he was at Rangers but whenever I did see interviews and that you know did sort of think you know this is a guy who's clearly you know he's serious about being a top manager basically mm. um, and I think he's carried that on to, with Villa and I think you know when he's been asked questions about that you know this week and stuff I think he pretty much dismisses them and as you know if you're a Villa fan that's exactly what you want to hear it's basically you know, he's not Liverpool. I think he said similar, didn't he, earlier this season when um, when Villa played Liverpool and again yes. the press were picking it up and saying, you know, expect a standing ovation and he was very much like, nothing to do, it's not about me sort of thing. I'm a manager of Aston Villa, I'm going to do my best for them. So I think he's doing his best to, to dismiss it. But yeah, the, the press, I mean, they're, they're obviously trying to build up this this narrative, aren't they, in this, this picture. So they'll do anything they want and, you know, for them that, that would be a big story, wouldn't it? I guess is if you know Gerard's uh, Gerard's team managed to give hand the title up to Liverpool, um, and it's similar similar with Coutinho. I mean, Buendia again. I thought he looked really, really good and really lively um, last night. I don't think Coutinho is the same type of player he was. I think you know when I remember him at Liverpool, he was like dynamic, quick. You know, he touched around the player and, and let fly from up. Of a way out, I think that what I've seen in Villa, he's obviously technically still very good, but he's not that same explosive player. I don't think yeah, that he was. Fair, yeah. um, but again, it's 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 easy writing, isn't it, for people to to join these dots and say, you know, this is how this is how it's gonna it's gonna go, and this is that this is the dream, and they all live happily ever after, sort of thing. Yeah, I saw um, a tweet this week, and it's from a Liverpool fan actually. Fair news to him because uh, it did actually make me chuckle, which it was. Um, Imagine it, uh, it's, it's a 90th minute, City are about to win the league, Villa get a free kick, Coutinho stands over the ball, locks eyes with Gerrard, floats a screamer into the top corner, Manchester City 5, Aston Villa 1. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, I, I want kind of each of your thoughts on this, but I'll start with you, Ali. How are you feeling, just as, as a fan, just yourself, how are you feeling ahead of this game? Uh Kind of okay. Actually, but, but I, I will answer that question, but can I finish the point I was making from my course, yeah, yeah. so rudely interrupted me? Uh, but, uh, I don't think the Villa players have got much to gain. They haven't got much to lose. They can play and enjoy the game and enjoy the occasion, all of which is true. Um, the one thing that they will be going into this match, though, is a fear of getting absolutely battered because no professional footballer wants to be humiliated. And we are talking very nervously and, and, uh, warily about this, you know, really big game and how difficult it's going to be. And, and obviously as City fans, we're all extremely nervous about it. Um, I would imagine if you're a Villa player, your main concern is that you don't ship five, six, seven on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, so while, um, 
Yeah, Villa don't, it doesn't come naturally to Villa to sit deep and just soak up pressure and all that, two banks of five. You know, they will not do that. Um, I don't think they know how and I don't think they would want to. Um, but the idea that they will just go completely gung ho and, and, you know, all, all sails to the wind and, and throw everything at us, um, and not really care about what, you know, Kevin De Bruyne and Phil Foden and Bernardo might do to them going the other way, I think would be unrealistic. Um, they're going to be cautious. They're going to be nervous. They're going to be worried about getting absolutely battered. Um, and so I think in, in a way that helps us. I think they're, they're, it's good when teams go in and their main concern is not getting absolutely thrashed. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think there, there's cause for optimism there. And the other thing that we haven't mentioned um, is if it was the other way around and we had had a game on the Thursday night uh, mm. and our players had to turn themselves around in 48 hours to get in a bus and you know go to play an away match, um, we would be grumbling to the heavens about how unfair you know the, the gods of football were to, to give us this timetable. Um, the fact is we've had a full week, eight days, whatever it is, to recover, uh, and they've had two days. And in any football match, that matters. That's really important. That's a big advantage we've got on top of the home advantage and on top of the fact that we're actually a better team than they are. Um, so given all of that, um, absolutely every objective, rational, uh, logical argument you can put out there says that City should be fine on Sunday. Uh, they're in a much better position. And I keep trying to tell myself that. Um, I keep trying to tell myself that this is where we want to be. And, you know, uh, if, if you can't enjoy this kind of occasion on the last day of the season, you really shouldn't be a football fan hmm. because this is what it's all about. Uh, and of course, I've got an enormous knot in my stomach. And whenever I stop thinking about work or anything else, immediately I'm thinking about our back forward and how, you know, whether you can play Laporte and Aki next to each other when you get two left footers and like, and, and, oh, I've forgotten to feed the kids again. You know? <laughs> so yeah, all of that is going on. I'm sure every city fan is the same. Um, but yeah, alt being objective about it and being as, uh, as calm headed and rational as I can. All the uh, all the indicators are, are in our favour, with the 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 one huge one going the other way, which is it's football, and in football weird things happen, and you can never bank on anything because yeah. that's why that's why we love this sport. Uh, so yeah, I've got I've got a huge knot of nerves going on in my tummy. It will get worse over the next forty eight hours. I will be an absolute gibbering wreck by about two thirty on Sunday. Um, but uh, it is what it is, and it's why we're here. And, yeah, and a big part of me, the biggest part of me, is just really looking forward to it. I, I've got to say, talking about kind of Villa's approach, I believe they will be bang up for this. I really do. And I think they're going to kill us, give us a real game. However, I think the very opposite applies, should we go ahead. That's when I think the fact that they've got nothing really to play for, um, you know, They've got one eye on the beach and all the rest of it. That's yeah. when that law kick in. Should we go ahead? It is that first goal. Should we get that first goal? Is everything I believe. I mean, this might come back and bite me in the arse and they may raise their game even further. I just don't believe that's a case. I think if we go ahead, we win the game because their mentality then will be let's not go into the summer on the back of a 4 0, 5 0 defeat. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, ben, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, very similar to Ali. I think. Um, you know, first thing when I've been waking up all this week, even if it's in the in the middle middle of the night to go for a wait or whatever, I'm thinking, oh shit, it's you know we're down to three days before, we're down to two yeah. days before, or whatever. Um, so I think there's there's definitely that 
go, you know going going through my head constantly. I think it's quite um, it's quite interesting how I think anyway, and it might be perception, and it might not be for all Liverpool fans, but there seems to just be a complete different attitude uh, in terms of you know whether it's City fans are more sort of glass half empty um, sort of thing. But I remember we. I went to um, to the Everton away match this season, um, and we we jumped in a cab uh, from from Liverpool City Centre to go over to Goodison. And lo and behold, we got into the cab, and you know every piece of memorabilia and sticker and stuff like that that was was in there was uh, the taxi driver was a Liverpool fan. Um, so we we got into talking, and I think was it was it about February or something like that. We played Everton anyway. We got into talking and said, "Oh, you know, it's it's close. How do you see it? How do you see it playing out, etc." Um, and he was just completely convinced that they're going to win the lot. Like, not a moment of doubt <laughs> in terms of, we, you know, we were like, I think at the time, the, the game in hand they had was Arsenal. And we were like, you know, how, how do you think it's going to go? You know, do you think, you know, will you win them? And he was, no doubt about it, we're going to win all four. And we said, you know, really? You know, what makes you think that? That's interesting. Uh, my, your optimism sort of thing. And he said, well, you know, we've got the best manager, we've got the best players. Why wouldn't we? Um, and we we you know chuckled chuckled to ourselves and said oh well, you know we'll we'll see how it goes um, and and also um, one of one of my wife's friend her husband is is a big Liverpool fan and he's a lovely guy we have lots of respectful reasonable conversations um, but but I I spoke to his wife uh, the other day and sort of said oh you know is is basically is Dave going to Paris and she said oh yeah yeah he booked the tickets in February. And and he is, as I say, he's a completely. You know, we've watched games together. He's reasonable. Um, he's not one of these, you know, people that's like like the taxi driver was, I guess. Um, so, and I don't know what's what's but what's best really in terms of you know, is it better to be like I say, glass half empty and think, oh God, you know, something could go wrong here, and then you know, maybe you're less let down and you're psychologically preparing yourself for that sort of thing, or is it better to be? completely optimistic enjoy the ride as much as possible but then I guess you know when they do or if they do get that uh, disappointment that's going to be a huge slap in the face um, but again as I say I'm sure that's not every Liverpool fan and I'm sure there's City fans out there which are ultra positive um, but I think a lot of City fans that I know for sure are more on the edge of, on the side of caution um, I think to, to back up what Ali said I think all of the the scientific nature in terms of, you know, just looking at things of, you know, Wolves, for example, Wolves are in eighth position, Villa are in 14th, you know, so, so mm. why does our game feel like the trickier game? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, our our home form, you know, it was, I think it was one, one of the positive of the day saying that Villa have only won six away games this season and all of them have been bottom half uh, yeah. opposition. Um, so, so all the science leads me to the fact that we should win, but there is that, that doubt of you know of something freakishly happening, I guess, which means I don't want to you know plan the celebrations and parades after the game just yet. Um, I'd, I'd rather leave it until till we do it, and and then I can sort of think, oh god, that was a relief rather than a I told you so sort of thing. <laughs> well, I mean, Villa um, haven't beat City in twelve games, um, and they've only managed one draw out of those twelve as well. Um, they've only. Um, had one win and one draw out of their 11 games against the top six this season, but both of them were against United, so they don't really count anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, their record against the top six is atrocious this season. So there are signs, yeah, encouraging signs. Just touching on what you said there about Liverpool fans, I find it really intriguing, just kind of stepping back and, and kind of analysing it really from a psychological standpoint. 
You're absolutely right, Ben. I mean, they, they, every Liverpool fan I know are convinced that they're going to win the lot and they're going to do this and that. And, and that's always the case. If you ask them, are they, are you going to beat Wolves at the weekend? 100%, they will say 100% of the time, yes, we will. But they've, they are convinced that we will win. And they are so, I've never known a Liverpool fan base to be so down on, you know, a meaningful game or, or a, a circumstance as this because they just say, we're not going to win the league now because you're going to win. So now that we've got to this juncture, um, so I just find that quite intriguing where they've got so much confidence in their own club and in their own team, but they've got no confidence in fate, if you like. Um, that's quite interesting. Can I, can I yeah, quickly well, add to, to that, yeah. guys? Um, I, I I really enjoyed what Ben just said about uh, about city fans. Like, <laughs> I mean, typical city. You know, this is how it feels to be city. We've all, we, we know all the songs. Um, but I felt myself um, for I think the first time in a you know, couple of decades as a, an active city fan. Um, I felt myself being really confident going into a big game. Uh, in the away leg against Real Madrid. Uh, <laughs> it was the first time I've gone into a game of that status, thinking, yeah. oh, we've got this. We're, I'm, I'm absolutely so, fine with this. Yeah. We're, I'm cool. We're going to win. I, I I felt like a Liverpool fan towards their team going into that match, and it came back and bit me on the bum big time. So I am <laughs> never going to feel confident about the City match ever again, as long as I live. You can come back. It, you, we can win every title for the next 50 years. I'll be like, nah, we're going to blow it. We're definitely going to blow it. <laughs> Ultimately, though, I, I think us as supporters, because we invest so much into into our love of football, that we also kind of attach to all that is an importance that just isn't there. I mean, what what I mean by that is what we think ultimately doesn't decide football matches, you know? So, <laughs> I, I, you know, I've, I've said kind of predictions on this pod before and people have got in touch on Twitter you know, later saying, why did you say that for? We've lost now. I was like, I didn't decide that game. I wish I could. <laughs> Um, I'll tell you what, I, I am I am the most uh, hard hard boiled uh, kind of cynical old atheist and cynic and <laughs> about absolutely everything. I have no superstitions. I have no religion. I have very few supernatural beliefs until it comes to football and predicting <laughs> football. And I am absolutely convinced that if I say that, yeah, we're going to win four 0 we are going to lose. I, I have that power to, oh, to make Ali, that happen, and no one can tell me otherwise. That's a perfect kind of um, connection to what we're going to ask like, say next, <laughs> which is our final score prediction of twenty one twenty two. I'll I'll bite the bullet first. I'm going to go three one City, and I'm going to go for Villa to score first to the extent oh. even where Villa may be one nil up at half time. So three one City, we win the league. Ben, score prediction, sir. I uh, I was thinking the same is that I actually think Villa will score first, and I think Liverpool will score before we score, mm. which will really ramp up things. Um, but I think it will be similar, or I hope it will be similar to the Brighton game, where yes. that basically yeah. kicks us into gear, um, and then we we score a, a few. So I could see it maybe being like, as you say, a three-one, four-one, or you know maybe even a four-two or something. Um, but I can see. Was doing that. Obviously, it'd be absolutely lovely if they could be 2 0 up within 10 minutes or something. Uh, and I think the crowd will be well up for it. And the, at, the, uh, at the Newcastle game, I thought it was it was a great atmosphere. And it was that sort of thing whereby it wasn't the whole negative, you know, I guess, sort of trepidation about what's going to happen. It was yeah. a positive, you know, all the fans were behind them in a positive manner. So 
I would hope for that. That's the dream scenario, you know, two goals before half time or something. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a little bit closer than that and hoping for a, a three or four one. Okay, Ali, score prediction? I totally agree with what you said earlier, Steve, that the first goal, I mean, I thought, apologies everyone for the horrible cliche, but the first goal is so it important. Is. It really uh, is. Yeah. More, yeah. uh, more than any other football match I can remember for a long time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think if we score first, we could get hatful, as you say, um, and it would be really quite comfortable. Um, if we don't, or if it's still nil-nil at, you know, around about 30 minutes or so, I think it could easily get quite nervy um, and we squeak, you know, squeak it. Say, uh, tell you what, I'll go with uh, I'll go with 2 0 to City. We will do it. We will be champions. Um, but it will be nervy, and the second goal won't come until the last five minutes. Yeah, I mean, because you say 2 0 there, I say, well, Benny said possibly 4 1, 3 1, 4 1. And that's the last two results we've had on the final games of the season. And it yeah. kind of brings it home to us that we've got learned behavior in this. You know, we've been there before, we know how to do it. Um, We've got examples to kind of, you know, nail down and um, dig down into. So, yeah, for that reason, more than anything else, uh, I'm confident going into this weekend. Um, but it, it's because the circumstances are so huge that you can't be fully confident. That's all it is. I mean, all three of us have got complete faith in these players and in Pep Guardiola and in the football that they play. It, that doesn't even come into it. Um it's the circumstance, isn't it? It's what might happen. It's like Howard said on Wednesday, could be a sending off after 10 minutes. You know, you just don't know. It's the unpredictability of football that is unnerving us right now and what's at stake, but not City. That's, you know, I've got 100% faith in City. Um, okay, there's a number of different things we're going to discuss today, but rightly, we, we've concentrated so so long on this game, and, and as should be the case. So I think we've really got time for one other subject, and it'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the other big games going on this weekend. So, kind of, Ben, how do you feel about the fight for the top four? I can't see Spurs slipping up at Norwich. I mean, I can't see anyone slipping up at Norwich, frankly, right now. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. I think... Um, I think Spurs will will win um, and and definitely get that that final spot. I think, although they've been inconsistent this season, I think when it's you know when it's mattered against you know whether it's been us or Liverpool or or Arsenal, obviously they've sort of stepped up. And I think Conte that those are the games that he's good at. I think yes, you know, yeah, yeah. When there's a job there's a job to do. He's pretty reliable. Um, so yeah, I th- I think Spurs um, will will definitely get that last top four spot. Uh, Ali, kind of looking at it from another point of view, um, another Arsenal implosion. That there'll never be anything other than Arsenal, will they? <laughs> I mean, it's it's staggering, isn't it? You know, every time that you think, oh, okay, that they've got a bit of substance to them these days, yeah, they just Arsenal themselves. They do. <laughs> um, although, funnily enough, I was going to say, I, I'm still not completely counting out the possibility that Spurs can Spurs this up. Yes, here. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, because Spurs, everything you said about Arsenal, see also Spurs. <laughs> and I, I, allowing for the fact that I think you're absolutely right what you say about Conte and, and Conte in matches like this, I think Spurs under Conte are probably a slightly different beast to the one they've been for you know, recent years. Um, and I, I mean, Okay, Arsenal play... Um, Everton, don't they? Uh, so yeah. 
talking about a team in the beach, um, Arsenal have now got a massive advantage. You know, Everton will have been... Oh, I mean, sorry to interject, but I've just written about that before we've done the pod, and and I've put it right down the middle. It's 50-50, both extremes. Basically, Arsenal face a team who are, you know, job done after the Lord Mayor's show. You know, they're all spent as well, emotionally, from Thursday. Or, they just go into it on an enormous high, still riding on it, and thinking, right, we can play with freedom for the first time in months, so that's danger. Sure. Um, I think weirdly they also the same applies to Norwich. And when I when yeah. I say when I say uh, yeah, the Spurs can still Spurs it up. We should bear in mind the the last day of the season madness that always happens, and there's always some yes. story somewhere. Yeah. One team produces a performance that they have not produced in the previous thirty seven games of the season, um, and and everything gets turned on its head, and everybody's expectations just suddenly get reversed. Um, now, it overwhelmingly likely that uh, Spurs will beat Norwich. They certainly should, and they will take fourth spot that I mean that that by far the most probable outcome but if I wanted I'd, I don't gamble but if I wanted a long odds bet you know if I wanted to put like a, a couple of quid on a very long odds bet I think I might choose Norwich uh, mm. to beat Spurs um, just because there's something there's something feels right for a, a huge upset there um, and partly it would just be the comedy involved of Spurs being Spursy again, you know. Yeah. I think I think that's what I'm hoping for. So that that's a good one. And um, I'm also uh, I think there's a very good chance that uh, United lose and West Ham win, which obviously would yeah. be hilarious. It would. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to see where United's head is at as a team at the moment, and, and I mean, it feels like about a month since they played. I can, I can barely remember. It's, it's, two, it's just shy two weeks. It is. Yeah. It? yeah. Yeah. Um, so you know, who knows where they'll be? But you know, that, that's an interesting one. That's a fun one to watch. Um, but of course, all these stories will be unfolding, and I will be paying absolutely no attention yeah. to any of them until possibly if I'm if I'm sober enough to pay any attention to match of the day two on Sunday night, <laughs> then I might say, oh, oh, Norwich beat Spurs. Oh, oh, United lost. Way, you know. Uh, but hopefully, that will be the that will be the limit of my engagement with those games at, uh, at three o'clock on Sunday. That, that's a crazy thing. I mean, I write about football. It's a job. I have to kind of basically be obsessed with the Premier League and, and every development of the Premier League. And then on Sunday, all these huge stories will be happening and I won't give a shit. I won't even be aware of them until several hours afterwards. That's a bizarre thing about the final day. Um, just to end on, um, Ben, the, down at the bottom, Burnley, Leeds. It looks like Leeds, but I've just got... Ex- Ali's bang on, basically. Final day of the season, just you you upend all narratives. And I've just got a feeling that Leeds are going to win at Brighton, at Brentford, sorry, and Burnley are going down. Um, how do you feel about it? I I think I think Leeds are going to go, to be honest. I thought after we played them, um, I, I I thought ever since then, to be honest, that they're yeah. going. And I think at that time, I think they were they were 16th or something. I thought they were poor against us. I thought I watched the Chelsea game when they played Chelsea, and they were poor uh, in that one too. And I think um, was it Dan James got sent off for that awful tackle? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And um, and the the manager was was you know berating it, and you're thinking, how was that not a red card? I, and I just think that they're too open. Um, I think Brentford are a good good team, and again, you say the same thing in regard to them signing off for the season. They won't want to. Um, you know, end end with without a win there. Um, so I I think Leeds will go. I think although I obviously watched the um, the Burnley Villa match last night as well, I, I thought Burnley looked 
um, pretty Burnley, to be honest. I don't think they've created a lot, but they were that physical threat that they had. Obviously, Ashley Barnes put one on Tyrone Mings about after about five minutes, didn't he? So, I I think uh, I think it will be Leeds that go. Yeah, I don't. I, I think I, I can see them both losing, to be honest. Um, but I think Leeds will Leeds will drop. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, both losing is a distinct possibility. Um, okay, well, well, thanks, guys. Um, I'm feeling calmer. I'm feeling more kind of centred about this this weekend. Of course, this won't last in you know in a few hours' time. I'll be back to kind of <laughs> nervous wreck I was. But thank you for the meantime, um, Ben. Great debut, sir, and thanks for coming on today. Thank you. Pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Ellie. It's been an absolute pleasure. And can I take the chance? Because I'm not sure if we'll have another, uh, I'll do another pod before the season. Uh, but to all the 9320 hosts and the team, uh, what a fantastic season it's been as a, as a contributor to this wonderful little podcast. And thanks guys for inviting me and to all the listeners out there. Um, we, we do get your messages and, and yeah, yeah, support and, and it's just been great. And, and it's been an absolute pleasure to do this as part of being a, uh, supporter of this wonderful football club. See, I, I don't do any other podcasts, so I've no idea what other kind of listeners are like but yeah our listeners are just amazing <laughs> they are it's just brilliant and, and so yes thank you for all for listening in this season loads of pods coming up over the summer of course um, not least you know a Real Madrid supporting pod next week <laughs> 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 which I've just conceived in my head instantaneously <laughs> but <laughs> in Spanish <laughs> <laughs> hola in the meantime though um, <laughs> be well everyone take care of yourselves and forever up the reigning champions and the champions elect the mighty blues <laughs>